Welcome to Pursuit Church Mornington Podcast with Pastor Brian Carden. The message you're about to hear will help you build your faith in Christ and grow in the knowledge of His will. Let's go right into the message. The title of my message today, The Blood of His Grace. Because we're living in a day that history is being made. But every day, your future is being written by your obedience by your sacrifice, by your love, by your faithfulness to God, by your heart serving Him, your future is being written. In the Lamb's book of life and in the books, the Bible says, that is being written even in the conversations that we have. It's so important today that we understand that there is Blessing, there is reward, and God is faithful, not just in this life. Most of the messages we hear is about how to live your best life right now. Your best life isn't in this world. Your best life is, is to come. Your best life is an eternal life where sin is done away with, totally wiped out. Where you will live for eternity under the lordship and the kingship of Jesus Christ. But thank God that in this life, we've been given a covenant through this blood of his grace, that we might live victorious, that we have a covenant that God has provided for us. The God of this world is the God of the system of this world, and the reward that they have today is the greatest they'll ever have. But your reward is coming. Eye is not seen, ear is not heard. The plans and the things that God has in store for you. Oh, it's much richer than anything you've ever seen. It's much greater than you've ever ever thought of. It's more beautiful than you can imagine. That reward that you have that's coming through your obedience today to serve God in this day and to be a light in a dark place. Take courage Today, if you are a child of God, you've been born again by that blood, and you've received the blood of His grace today, take courage. Do not be afraid. Do not back down. Do not draw back. Say the word of God. Speak the word of God. Obey God. Do the things of God. Follow the Holy Ghost and the Spirit, for there will be great reward. You know, I believe today is a ground of trial and testing. Years ago in 2007, the Holy Ghost told me, he said, I'm going to begin to see, and you'll openly begin to see the line being drawn in the sand and division being happening even within the house of God, a separation of the sheep from the goat, a separation from the wheat from the tare, which will take place one day when the angels come. The Bible says, in that great trump will sound. And today I'm going to speak to you about this blood of his grace. The Bible says that there will be a Catching away a rapture of the church. First Thessalonians. And every one of us today. By themselves. Give themselves first unto God. This happens through one thing. In this beautiful word. Which is only right now. In this season and time. Until that time. Before the Lord sets his foot upon this earth again. Which he will one day. That's not at the rapture. That's after the rapture. When his second coming will come. And he'll rule upon this earth for a thousand years. 
But until that time, there is a word that we have that is a beautiful word which people will not be able to have later. And that word is repentance. Repent. Repent. Jesus went everywhere saying repent. What does it mean? It means that you, yourself, give yourself unto God through Jesus Christ. This is the turning of your entire life unto God. And we see and hear this repeated. And you'll hear it in just a few minutes. It's having one heart in one way. We are to give to God complete rulership over our life. Our entire commitment to him above all things, above all people, above all kingdoms, all idols, and all religions of this world. To put on the garment of salvation, the old armor of God, the very bride's garment, clothed in his righteousness. And let me just say that garment of righteousness, that beautiful garment of the bride, that white garment, clothed as the saints of God, we will stand before God as we sing praises unto him, clothed in white. This garment that is spotless and without wrinkle, according to the book of Ephesians, the Bible says that we put on this new man, we put on this garment, this garment of righteousness, the Bible says, which we are purified by the blood of Jesus, made white as snow. Only you can ask God for that. He's already provided it, but you have to receive it. It's not just an instantaneous, momentarily thing. No, it's a turning of our heart, a repentance of saying, God, be my God. I turn from this world and the idols of this world and the things of this world, and I turn to you. I'm giving you my whole heart. I declare today that you are my God. Jesus, you are the Lord over my life, and there is no other over me. No, we cannot, though, make our own type of garment, a self-created garment. God didn't provide a whole wardrobe where we can change daily this garment, where we put that garment on when we hear a message, when we put that garment on when we come to church, we put that garment on when we're in front of a Christian, And then we take it off and we go to our wardrobe and we change it to another garment when we go to work. We put another garment on when we go over to so-and-so's house or get on the phone with so-and-so or get on the internet with with whatever you're looking at or or whatever you're doing. We don't change garments interchangeably. No, we have one garment and we wear it all the time, 24-7. And that is a garment of righteousness before God. That is a garment of white, which is a type of holiness, a type of purity, which can only be cleansed by the word, the washing of the word of God, removing every spot and wrinkle, which you're hearing right now today, and by the blood of Jesus Christ, the only purifying soap today of Jesus, the fuller's soap. No, we have to wear that garment everywhere, every day at all times. Today I want you to turn to the Old Testament, Jeremiah 32. We're going to begin reading in verse 28. I'm going to read quite a bit of scripture today. But I think it's very important to understand the blood of his grace, which was given to you because God so loved the world. He loved you 
when you did not know God. He loved you when you didn't have His garment, the one He made through His Son. Verse 28 says, Therefore thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will give this city into the hand of the Chaldeans and in the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he shall take it. And the Chaldeans that fight against the city shall come and set fire on this city and burn it with the houses upon whose roofs they have offered incense unto Baal and poured out drink offerings unto other gods to provoke me to anger. For the children of Israel and the children of Judah have only done evil before me from their youth. For the child, for the children of Israel have only provoked me to anger with the work of their hands, saith the Lord. In my Bible studies, I've been teaching on Tuesdays and understanding God's authority and righteousness. Understanding that God, from the time he created this world and this earth and man in it, he created us to be under his authority. That he be our God and that we would walk with him. We will follow him. We will worship him. We were created in his likeness and image. Only creatures ever created in his likeness and his very image. The angels are not created in his likeness and image. Animals are not created in his likeness and image. We are. And we are not called ever to conform our image into something else other than what we were created and created it to be and whom God created us to be. The Bible says he created male and female, created he them. We are created in the very image of God. The Bible says that when sin came, man fell. They were separated from the very life of God that they had in the fellowship of God in which they experienced before. But God, he sacrificed. The Bible says, an animal, and clothed them with their skins to cover their nakedness. God created a garment for them. First they took and tried to cover their own nakedness with the fig leaf the leaves and they try to cover themselves but God said no that covering is not good enough it's not worthy to cover you I will cover you you see here we read in Jeremiah how Israel had been taken captive by the Chaldeans Babylon Babylon and and, and this was in the time here of Zedekiah and in the time that I read a while ago out of John chapter 8, verse 12, talking about the light of life, if, I, if you trace that back, and I've done a series on this before. In the time of Hezekiah, Babylon showed up, which is a type of Assyria, which the Holy Ghost taught to me about within this nation, talking about how the enemy has a, a spiritual force that comes against the body of Christ and the church and the gospel, flourishing and growing and and being all that it should be, I believe the church is called to influence the nations. I believe the church is called to influence government. I believe the church is called to influence every facet of marketplace and society. And the seven mountains and the places in which God has called us to rule and reign in life through one Jesus Christ. We know that Jesus is coming back to Make the kingdoms of this world the kingdoms of our God. But he's also called us to be a witness and to possess this land. 
and to bring every soul that we can unto Christ. That is our mission. That is the goal. That is why the Holy Spirit has been given to you. That is why we are called to be witnesses unto him in every aspect and area of being. We know we have a covenant. and God will show his goodness through us and his blessing upon us. And he will watch over us. He will keep us. We know that the church has been persecuted for many, many years. We know that this time is coming short and Satan knows his time is short. And he's, he is working right now to begin to implement his plan because he knows it's short. He wants to be God and he wants to set himself up as God through the Antichrist. And the beast, the Bible says, will give power to the Antichrist one day. Is he alive today? We know that the very spirit of Antichrist is alive today and it's working in areas across this globe right now to try to strangle and to keep the church and to choke it out through the cares of this life, the lust of other things, through the flesh and through those in whom that serve its purpose. And the Bible tells us that when the children of Israel from Genesis, when God created man and as he called Abraham out of Ur and he gave, made a covenant with Abraham. And we know that from the time he wanted a people and the Bible says, and they began to serve God and follow after God for, they would do it in stints. They would do it for times and then, then they, would, they would fall away and they just started trying to do like the world did. They'd get mixed up with the world and they allow the worldliness to come in to the camp. And every time that they did, they would fall prey unto the wiles and the tricks of the devil and the world would begin to rule over them. No, that was never God's plan. It's not God's plan today. No, God desires a people in whom that he is their God. Today, we see this happening here. We see the Bible says if you'll look with me, in verse 31, For this city hath been to me as a provocation of mine anger and my fury from the day that they built it, even unto this day, that I should remove it from before my face, because of all the evil of the children of Israel and of the children of Judah, which they have done to provoke me to anger. They, their kings, their princesses, their priests, and their prophets, and the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And they have turned unto me the back and not the face. They turned their back and not their face. Though I taught them, rising up early and teaching them, yet they have not hearkened to receive instruction, for they set their abominations in the house, which is called by my name, to defile it. I could give you a little bit of history here, just for a moment so we can give an understanding, because I believe God is calling the church today to awake unto righteousness, to come to him to turn their hearts in a greater way, to understand this blood of the blood of his grace in a greater way in an understanding today. The Bible says that they set their abominations in the house. This is where the people are. This is his people in his camp. The place where they were called to have the love feast of the bride of Christ which would pollute the family and pollute their homes because it had been defiled. Oftentimes you'll find in the Bible where 
The ministers of God, the people of God, oftentimes even Saul, the Bible says that he didn't fear God, he feared the people more. That's how he lost the anointing, because he feared the people more. He hearkened to their voice rather than the voice of God. And Samuel the prophet is speaking to the king. And that day, even then, it was the ones, the kings that listened to the men of God. The blessing came. The, in, the, the covering was there. I'll tell you today, there is a battle right now. And I'm going to say to you, brother and sister in Christ, turn your heart fully to God. We can't play with the world. You can't let the world in your home. You don't want the worldliness to come in and decide uh, and begin to dictate to you what you will do, what you won't do. The worldliness, the ungodliness, the sin. We need to guard our hearts. We need to be purified in the spirit. We need to turn our hearts fresh and anew. The Bible says, and we know that in the last days, Daniel prophesied it. He said, the temple will be built in Jerusalem and the very Antichrist will erect and he will cause what we call the abomination of desolation. We know that this is not the first time that that would take place in humanity. It's happened before. It happened in the time of Rome. It happened in the time that the, the temple was in Rome. It happened before then. It happened in this time with Jeremiah. Where the Bible and it happened previously. Why? Because the priests would fear the people. The people would get into the world and they would cry out and say, we want a king like the rest of the world. We want to follow the things like the rest of the world. We want the world to like us. We don't want to be hated by the world, as Jesus said. We want to come out and be different. We don't want to be that way. We don't want to follow God the way that God says to follow him. We don't want to walk in the way. We don't walk in that narrow path. No, we don't want to be cleansed and as white as snow. No, we want to have some of the things of the world. No, God's all right with that. We hear these messages today preached and the church is slumbering and sleeping in many areas. But I pray in the name of Jesus Christ over this nation of Australia and throughout the nations of this world that the real church is beginning to stand on her feet and she's rising into this hour and coming and rising with the word in their mouth, the sword of the Spirit, and that their tongues will be like ready riders riding upon the hearts of men and women without fear, but they'll be bold and courageous. They'll lay hands on the sick. They'll begin to rise and shine. They'll let that light come. They'll shine forth as stars and as lights into this darkness. And we'll proclaim the word of God and without fear, without trembling, what man will do unto us. But we will say of the Lord, he is our refuge, he is our strength, he is our strong tower. We will declare today that the abominations will not be in this house the abominations that is within the world to God, to lull men to sleep will not be out of this pulpit or into the pulpits of this nation. In Jesus' name, we'll arise. We'll see this nation turn from its, from its boldness, a proclamation of being secular and without God. No, we're going to declare today that this government of this nation will repent and will turn into God, that there'll be prophets that will speak into their ears. I'm going to declare the word of the Lord like Samuel, like they did in the Old Testament, like they did in the New Testament, and change the nations and preach the gospel freely. We pray today and we speak across this globe that there will be prophets and ministers and people will stand in the pulpits and declare the word of God. To see the church without spot or wrinkle 
or any such blemish. We know we can't do that ourselves. For all have sinned, for every one of us, this man included, has sinned. But it wasn't because that there is any other way except that through Jesus Christ we could be cleansed. We know that there is no other way except through Jesus that we can be receive salvation, this, the blood of his grace. This understanding where they set their abominations means they ordained, they ordered, and they fixed it. That's what it means to set. They ordained it. They ordered it. They allowed that. The abominations. And let me just say this for a minute. Oftentimes people think, well, you know, the words on the screen or something of that nature. No, that's, that, that, that's not what he's referring to. He's referring to the allowing the worldliness to come in. He's referring to, yeah, that's okay. Let, let's, let's let sin be okay in the house of God. Let's let sin uh, that, the, that the world says is okay. The church needs to make it okay. No, the church doesn't make it okay because we don't serve this world. We serve God and his law and his ways. The Bible says of this understanding of abomination, it's the word in the Hebrew for abomination means to be filthy, to loathe, to abhor. Idolatrous. When Daniel undertook this speci- and to specify an abomination, that it was so disgusting to the sense of morality and decency and aggressive against everything that was godly as to drive all from its presence and to leave it desolate. In Daniel chapter 11 verse, in chapter 12, he speaks of these things. And he's chose this as a very strong understanding. And we see that the Bible says, we just read how that their city, their nation, their their people became desolate, taken into captivity to the world because of these areas. The conveying of worldliness, allowing the things of the world to conform the practices of worship, how we worship, the actions of the religious demands upon God. When the world tries to change the actions that God has said that we should do, that he has ordained, we might say, well, those, that's religion. Well, religion is a form of doctrine. It's what you know. It's what you believe. It's every one of us serves some type of religion in some ways. That literally means that we serve God a certain way. We are obeying him and his ways. We're doing things the way God says to do them and not the way the world says you don't have to do that. We want you to do it this way. To be conformed to this world, no. The institutions of doctrines in which God has. See, wilderness will try to come in to remove those things. That's what happened here in Jeremiah. And the Bible says that they, as they did that, it changed to which God saw that as detestable, an abomination. Causes that which is holy to become unclean, to tribute holiness to that which is unholy. That's what the world will do. That's what worldly practices will do in the house of God. We're not called to be that way as a body of Christ. No matter what the world says, no matter what certain people might say. That's not the way it is. Each and every one of us must choose to serve God. Every one of us must allow the blood of Jesus, the blood of his grace to flow, to cleanse us, 
to learn and to practice and learn to get up and follow after him. He that followeth me will not walk in darkness, the Bible says. That's what Jesus said. He said, but they will have the light of life. No. The Bible says in verse 35, as we see here, how that they built high places unto Baal. Bible says they did that in the valley of the son of Hinnom to cause her sons and daughters to pass through the fire unto Moloch, which I commanded them not. Neither came it into, the, into my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. And now therefore thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the city whereof you say, it shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon by the sword and by famine and by pestilence. You see, the people turn from their covenant with God. In Jeremiah 34, 17, it says, therefore, Jeremiah 34, 17. Therefore saith the Lord, you have not hearkened unto me in proclaiming liberty, every one to his brother and every man to his neighbor. Behold, I proclaim liberty for you, saith the Lord, to the sword, to the peasants and to the famine. I will make you to be removed into all the kingdoms of the world. We see this taking place in Israel. We see this taking place under Judah. It says, and I will give the men that have transgressed my covenant, which have not performed the words of the covenant, which they have made before me, when they cut the calf in twain and pass through the parts thereof. He's talking about the covenant just like Abraham when, when he sacrificed and he cut, cut in pieces the calf and they pass through the blood. The Bible says what they would do. In the Old Testament, they would take this calf they would, and, and every person who made covenant with God they would go through this calf and they would walk through the blood as a covenant and they would recite the words that God had made with them in the covenant so they not perform the words of the covenant which they had made before me when they cut the calf in twain and passed through the parts thereof, the princes of Judah and the princes of Jerusalem, the eunuchs and the priests. So it was everybody. And all the people of the Lamb which passed between the parts of the calf. It says, I will even give them into the hand of their enemies and in the hand of them that seek their life. And their dead bodies shall be for meat unto the fowls of heaven and the beasts of the earth. Man, that is some powerful words. Those are some powerful things. But I believe this is an understanding. You say, well, I believe that was all under the Old Covenant. I believe that's all Old Testament. I don't think anything like that can happen today. We have the blood of Jesus. We're Christians. I hear you. I understand what you're saying. I want you to know something today. As we begin to look into the Word of God concerning the blood of His grace, I want you to keep something in mind that you have a covenant with God through Jesus Christ. That Jesus was sacrificed for you. His blood was spilt. The Bible tells us that we should not trample, in the, in the book of Hebrews it tells us we should not trample through the blood of Jesus. It talks about the shedding of blood. There is no remission of sin. Understanding that his blood was shed for you. He was the lamb slain for you and I today. And we have a covenant with God. We have a blood covenant. That's what we take communion for. And I want you to get communion ready today because we're going to take that today. If you have some juice, some crackers, bread, whatever you can find today. I want us to take covenant together. I want us to renew something today. Because I believe that those covenants of blessing that God has prepared for you and I. And we're saying today, in the name of Jesus, Satan, you have no place in our life. You have no hold over our life. You do not rule over our life. For there is one ruler over us, and that is Jesus Christ. He is Lord over us. The Bible says... In Jeremiah 33, 
verse 10 through 22. And you might even been feeling like today. You've been brought into captivity. You might be feeling like today. There's areas in your life because I know no matter what condition you're in today, if you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, if you are uh, in Melbourne, if you're in somewhere on this planet today, we've seen it going all around the world and it's not just the virus. And let me just tell you something. Don't let the world convince you this is just about a virus. Let me tell you what this is about. Because you need to understand its very author. And that is Satan. That's the God of this world. And there is a testing and a trial as we go through. But we're going to pass through the valley of the shadow of death. We're not going to fear any evil for he is with us. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. And today, through the blood of his grace, we are more than conquerors. We're overcomers and we overcame him. Speaking of Satan, the God of this world, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Jeremiah 33, 10 says this. Thus saith the Lord again, there shall be heard in this place, which you say shall be desolate without man and without beast, even in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, that are desolate without man and without inhabitant and without beast. Verse 11, the voice of joy, the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, the voice of the bride. The voice of them that shall say, praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, for his mercy endureth forever. And of them that shall bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord, for I will cause to return the captivity of the land as it at the first, as at the first saith the Lord. Verse 12, thus saith the Lord of hosts, again in this place, which is desolate without man and without beast, and all the cities thereof shall be a habitation of shepherds, causing their flocks to lie down. Verse 13, in the cities of the mountains, in the cities of the vale, and in the cities of the south, in the land of Benjamin, and in the places about Jerusalem, and in the cities of Judah, shall the flocks pass again under the hands of him that telleth them, saith the Lord. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will perform that good thing which I promise unto the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. In those days and at that time will I cause the branch of righteousness to grow up unto David, and he shall execute judgment and righteousness in the land. He's talking about Jesus. Verse 16, in those days shall Judah be saved and Jerusalem shall dwell safely, and this is the, the name wherewith she shall be called. The Lord, our righteousness. Sit canoe. The Lord, our righteousness. Verse 17, for thus saith the Lord, David shall never want a man to sit upon the throne of the house of Israel. Verse 18, neither shall the priests and the Levites want a man before me to offer burnt offerings and to kindle meat offerings and to do sacrifice continually. Verse 19, and the word of the Lord come unto Jeremiah saying, thus saith the Lord, if you can break my covenant of the day and my covenant of the night and that there should not be day and night in this season, then may also my covenant be broken with David, my servant, that he should not have a son to reign upon his throne. And with the Levites, the priests, my ministers, and the hosts of heaven cannot be numbered, neither the sand of the sea measured. So I will multiply the seed of David, my servant. He's talking about those who are born again under Jesus Christ because the Bible says out of his lineage, he will begin this new covenant, this new kingdom 
which we call the church today. And that is who you are, and that is who he's talking about right here. He said, this seed of my servant David. He didn't say Abraham. He said of David. Why? Because that covenant come out, and the Bible says from David. And God made a promise of David because he's a man after God's own heart. That through his lineage, and Jesus come out of the lineage of David, and he's sitting upon his throne forever to execute righteousness and judgment, the Bible says. And we are his children. We are his seed. And we come from that new birth through the blood of Jesus Christ. And today we have a covenant with God. Today we are under the blood of the grace of Jesus Christ. And the Levites that minister unto me. I like right here what chapter 32 verse 37 says. So behold I will gather them out of all the countries where they have driven them in my anger and in my fury and great wrath. And I'll bring them again into this place and I'll cause them to dwell safely. And they shall be my people and I shall be their God. And I'll give them one heart. I told you to be listening for this. And one way. That they may fear me forever for the good of them and for their children after them. You know, 1 Corinthians 1.10 speaks of this same thing. Where he talks us to be in unity. That there be no division among us. Speak the same thing. Have the same mind and same judgment. Other places resound this understanding throughout the Bible. Verse 40 says, I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from them to do them good, but I will put my fear in their hearts that they shall not depart from me. This too is repeated in many ways throughout the Old and New Testament. But this is the new covenant. And the Bible says in Hebrews, it's a better covenant based on better promises. Hebrews 8, 6 And no such thing, let me just say this, as a testament being enacted. We're talking about the New Testament, this new covenant of the blood of Jesus. No such thing is enacted without the shedding of blood. And as the New Testament says in Hebrews 9, 16 and 17, unless there's a death of a testator, it has no legal power, no force. It cannot be enforced. But that is why Jesus died. That's why he died for us and our sin. That sin which separated sin is more than the transgression that you do outwardly. It's more than the iniquity and the sin that you commit inwardly. It is the blood of Jesus Christ. We're talking about sin is a spiritual thing. It's something that that is within the nature of man. And until you are born again, you cannot have the new nature. You might even still sometimes in the flesh and in the mind. You might not even feel saved sometimes. But let me just say this. If Jesus is your Lord today, you have been washed by that blood and you are a child of the living God. It doesn't matter how you feel. You can renew your mind. You begin to praise God. You can, you can begin to pray in the spirit. You can pray in the understanding also. You can build yourself up on your most holy faith. You can get onto YouTube and look at Pursuit Church Mornington. You can download a podcast and get your faith built up. You can begin to stir yourself up because you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You have the righteous garment of God upon you. You can't make your own garment. No, it has to be provided for you. Did you know in Matthew 22, I'm closing with this, verses 1 through 3, Jesus said and answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding and they would not come. Well, the king is God. The son is Jesus. The marriage is the church. The great feast is the rapture and the judgment seat of Christ. 
His servants here in this scripture are the ministers who proclaim the gospel. In the new covenant, in the new testament. I want you to hear this today. I want us to continue just for a moment here. Because in verse 4 through 7 says, Again, he sent forth his servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it. Just like the children of Israel did. Just like Judah did and Jeremiah, like we read. And they went their ways. One to his farm, another to his business. So one of them went to home. I can do it at home. I made light of this feast, make light of the gathering of the church, and make light of this understanding. I got too much business. Another goes to his merchandise. I got too much business going on. I got other things. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully. So he took, they took, a remnant took the ministers, proclaiming this word, and treated them spitefully, slew them even. But when the king heard of it, he was angry, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Wow. See, God ain't playing no games. Your life and my life are meant much more than serving this world's need to fulfill their greed, making merchandise out of each and every person. That's what the system of globalization, that's what the mark of the beast is meant to do. That's what these things are meant to do in the days ahead as we begin to see. And this spirit of antichrist movement is unfolding. We're watching that today in many aspects, beginning in certain areas. And God is saying to his church that hears him, wake up, wake out of your sleep, wake up to righteousness, sin not and do not go, and turn your back upon the covenant between you and he, between you and him. I want us to pay attention, no matter who you are today, you might be watching for the first time, and you may be Catholic, you may be Christian, you may be someone today, as part of some other religion or something else. But I want you to hear this. In verse 8, it says, Then saith he to his servants, This is God speaking to his ministers. The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. They weren't worthy. Why? They took the feast lightly. They did not value it properly. They went their own way. They treated God's ministers wrongly. Too busy making money. Too busy with other things. I need to be very careful. God said so. Verse 9 says, So go out into the highways, and as many as you shall find, bid to the marriage. Verse 10, So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. So God sent his preachers out. These guests were to come and they were called to come. That time of the rapture of the church, the time, there's time coming. And that trumpet's going to sound. And those who are ready, those who have their garments on, will be called. Not just every churchgoer, not just everybody who claims to be a part, but those who have the garment. No guest in this day, they understood this language because no guest in that day 
could come just dressed any way they wanted to a wedding feast. You couldn't come and to a wedding without the garment that the host provided. You see, God has provided a garment. That garment of righteousness is through the blood of Jesus Christ. No other garment will do. You can't make a garment. You can't say, well, this is the way I see it. I'm woven together my own righteousness. It's called self-righteousness, and that does not do. There's nothing else, and nothing else will be accepted. Verse 13 says, Then said the king to his servants, Bind him foot and hand, take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. The way into this life with God and all mankind needs salvation. A garment made by God. For every other covering, good works, great family life, riches, good character. You have never broken a law. You might not even have ever had a speeding ticket or fine in any way. That does not matter. You might pay your taxes and over and above. You might sow to charities and do other good works. But no garment you wear that was not provided by the host will not be accepted at that day. Thank you for listening to today. If you are wanting more of these timely messages and teachings, go to our website at Pursuit Church Mornington to find all the other ways you can access Pursuit Church ministry and messages.